you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church. So powerful, you know, uh, what Kimberly's talking about there leads really into what what uh, the Lord is going to have us to talk about today. Because see, all, all these things that that Satan is doing in this day and earth that we live in right now, it, it's a temptation, Right? See, he doesn't have the authority or the power to do the things that he's doing. It's all a temptation. He's putting out the bait for us. He's putting out for the bait for the people that don't understand. He's putting out for the bait for the people who have no knowledge. Why? So he can get them to open the door for him to do the things that he desires to do. You say, what is that? He wants to limit the kingdom, right? He wants to take as many people with him to a place called hell, and you say, why is that? Because he doesn't care about you. He wants to hurt the Father, right? And he can't do anything to harm him except by harming you. So this is why he comes to us, you know? But see, you know, there's a, there's a great controversy in the church nowadays, and, and I think a lot of our problem is we don't, we don't understand exactly even who our enemy is. See, even as Christians, you know, religion and politics is so fulfilled, so filled up the church, I guess I should say, so filled up the Christian that, that we have such a defeatist mentality to where we're always looking around for someone else to blame. We always want to point the finger at someone else. We always want to, we always want to push back because, you know, obviously it can't be our fault, you know. But I'm telling you, it amazes me what the work that Satan has done even since Jesus has been here where he's gotten us in such this, this weak posture. You know, I mean, I'm telling you, it's like church. I mean, do we understand that, that Jesus is victorious? Jesus has made us victorious, right? He is, he is the conqueror of all things. Do we, do we get that? Then why in the world does a church walk around with their heads in the sand, hiding in the closets, complaining about everything that's going on in our lives that everyone we come into contact with is like, oh my Lord, you know, the Lord's just putting some things on me, you know, it's, yeah, I'm having a real tough time, you know, God just allowing me to suffer so he can grow me up in some things. And if it's not, that's all that, that same, man, he's such a bully, man. He's, he said, he's beating me up. He's, he's doing a really good job beating me up this week. I mean, I mean, do we, do we actually think we're going to win people to the Lord? Do we actually think we're going to win people to the Lord when we go around confessing how weak our God is and how powerful Satan is? Hmm? Oh, come serve our Jesus. You know, he's going he's gonna to put some really tough stuff on you, but he'll grow you up, you know. He'll maybe put some cancer on you. But you know what? You're gonna, you'll grow up. You'll get tough because of it. Hmm? Oh, come serve our God. This is the God. He'll do these things for you because he'll make you tough. I'm telling you, I don't want to serve a God like that. I'm not going to serve a God like that. That God is the counterfeit. I mean, our God, I'm telling you, our God is not behind any of these things. You know, you get around the Pentecostals, the Pentecostals will, will tell you, you know, I know, I know it's not God doing those things. We, we know God. God is victorious. We know that. It's the devil. Oh, the devil, he's tough. You got you to watch what you say around him. Keep your, keep your voice down. Don't, don't mention his name because he may hear you. 
the devil, devil he'll, wreak, he'll wreak havoc in your life. Man, I'm barely just keeping my head above water because of him. Goodness. Can I tell you something without you getting offended? Because <laughs> we'll give you opportunity. Huh? Can I tell you something without getting you offended? Yes, Satan is out laying traps. He's setting traps. Yes, he is laying out snares for the, for the Christian, for the man or the woman, Christian or not, to entice them, to manipulate them so they step into it, so they get brought into his captivity. But the only way we step into this captivity is from our foolish thinking. It's from foolish thinking. It's from lack of knowledge. And it's from lack of intimacy. You say intimacy, yeah. If we're not intimate, it makes it really difficult for us to trust them. So if we can't trust them, listen, we get foolish thinking. If we can't trust him, church, we don't trust what the word has to say. If we can't trust what the word has to say, listen, you don't have a weapon against him. You won't know how to, you won't know how to push back against them. See, we, got, we get into this place that, 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 that much of the church nowadays, we look over at the adversary, we look at Satan, we're like, man, he's such a giant here on this earth. I don't know if we'll ever be able to stop him. I mean, did you hear people when COVID was going around? I mean, oh my Lord, the churches were running from him. That was the greatest opportunity for the church to stand up and show what Jesus has actually done on this earth. But people are like, oh, don't, you can't come to church. Don't, someone may cough on me. Hmm. Satan's such a giant. No, Satan's just a grasshopper. He's a defeated foe. Do we understand that, church? He is the, the defeated foe. Not going to be defeated. He's already black and blue from what our Lord, our King, our Savior has taken care of for us. Right? Now let's, let's, look at, let's look at that for a second. Look with me. Go to, go to Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah 14. As I, I, I jump into this, you know, sometimes I say we need to be reminded who our enemy is. Reminded of what's been taken care of with him and for him. Remind who he is that he is that he is already defeated. Remind remind ourselves what the word has to say about him and not what the preacher down the street is saying. Not about your, your favorite YouTube person or your favorite religious, you know, person or whatever it is, whoever it is that people are listening to nowadays, because they're definitely not listening to the Lord. Right? And people say, Oh, I can't believe I've had people say this. Man, you can't talk about Satan in the church. You don't talk about these. These are these scriptures are from the Word of God. Listen, church. Too, the problem with most of the Christians nowadays, they don't know who their enemy is. See, when people go to war, do you think they sit there and they don't study their enemy? They don't think, or they know that they can defeat them if they're going to go to war with them. They're going to know how much, how big their military is, what kind of weapons they have, how strong they are, or how weak they are if they're going to go confront them. Right? You better know who your fight is against. We better know who Satan is. We're not glorifying him. No, we're trying to show people who the enemy is so we know how to, how to go against them. Listen, go here to, uh, in Isaiah 14. Let me just, let me, yeah, let me just back on up. Let me just, I'm going to read a passage, uh, passage of scripture for you here. So maybe you can catch a grip of what the Lord was speaking through the prophet Isaiah was saying. 
It says here in verse four, he says, you shall take up this proverb, talking to Isaiah, you take up this proverb against the king of Babylon. Now listen, you can go to Ezekiel 28. And if you understand, you'll come to this understanding that when the Lord is speaking about a king, when, he, and, and when he's in prophetic mode, usually most of the time he's speaking about a king, he's talking about that, the principality or the power. He's talking, about, he's talking about Satan himself or one of his devils because he talks about in Ezekiel 28 that the king would be Satan. He'd be the ruler or the principality, right? And then you got the prince. The prince is the one that's underneath his authority, right? That would be the human person he's speaking of. So when he's speaking of right here, when he says, you speak to the, to the king of Babylon, he's not saying, you go talk to, to the king or the emperor of Babylon. No, he's talking about Satan. And you're going to get a good idea of that as we begin to read through this. He says, how hath the oppressor ceased? The golden city, it ceased. The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of all the rulers. He has smote the people in wrath with a continual stroke. He that ruled the nations in anger is persecuted and none hinders, meaning he can't hinder anyone anymore. It says the whole earth is at rest. Hmm. Do you think the earth is at rest at the minute? Hmm. It's time for the church to step up. It says the whole earth is at rest. It's quiet. They break forth into singing, singing the fir trees, even the trees are rejoicing at you. The cedars of Lebanon, they're saying, you are laid down. No feller and no woodcutter is coming up against us. Hell from beneath is moved from thee, is moved for thee, excuse me, to meet thee at thy coming. It stirs up the dead for thee. Even all the chief ones of the earth are raised up from their thrones and all the kings of all the nations. It's saying all the people that are sitting in hell, all the unrighteous ones, he goes, they're looking up and they're, they're, they're welcoming you into their place of habitation. Talking about Satan, remember? It says, and they shall speak and they shall say unto you, are you also become weak as we are? I thought you were the king. You've become weak as we are. Have you become like us? Your pomp is brought down to the grave. The noise of, the, of thy harps. The worm is spread underneath thee. The worms are covering you. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations, you did weaken the nations. For you, for you have said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. You know, it's absolutely amazing. You know, it's just like, it's just like humans. You know, when Satan begins to speak and he starts saying, I, 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 you know, God turns and says, no, you. He starts giving him a command. See, well, see, most people, they think Satan, you know, that, that he thought he, you know, he was going to come and he was going to defeat God. You know, Satan's not that stupid. See, Satan's a lot smarter than we give him credit for. 
He didn't think he was going to go and defeat the creator of heaven's earth, his creator. That's not what he was thinking. That's not what he, he was trying to do. Are you reading the scriptures here? He says, I will ascend to the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. What, what was Satan doing? He was envious. He was envious. He was envious of his creator. See, God, God, with all of his power and all of his glory, he placed some of that on Lucifer. And, he, and then according to Ezekiel, he put you know, stones upon him and he gave him a great voice. He was a worship leader of heaven. He had a third of angels were following him. When he was in the glory of God, God's glory would radiate and it would come off him as light. And he would and he'd begin singing and praising God. And every, he, he started wanting that worship himself. He's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to raise myself up. I'm not, I, can't, no, I can't defeat you, God, but I want to be just like you. I'm going to raise myself up to your level. And what did God say? No, I'm casting you down to the pit of hell. Why, we're not going to steal his glory. He says, and you, you shall be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. Now, I love these verses. These are the two I wanted to get to. It says, and they that see you, shall narrowly look upon you and consider you saying, is this the man? Is this the man that, the earth, that caused the earth to tremble? That did shake the kingdoms? Is this the man? It's just you? That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof and opened up the house and, and would not open up the house of the prisoners. He wouldn't release the prisoners. You know, people are looking at them and saying, it's just you? See, we'll catch a revelation of actually who he is and what's been taken care of. You're going to say, oh, it's just you. Oh, you're knocking at the door again. It's just you, the defeated one. It's just you. Be on about your business. Be on about your business. See, when you come to the truths of what the word of God actually says, listen, you'll begin to slay the lies of religion in your life. You'll slay them. You'll martyr them where they have no power upon you anymore. And you'll stop being in fear of Satan, walking around in fear of him, and you'll allow, you'll allow the spirit of the fear of the Lord to come upon you. And you'll begin to worship him. Why? Because you're going to come to this place and find out just like Satan did, that I can't do anything without you. And this is why all of heaven and all of earth and everything under the earth bows its knee to the name of Jesus. Because with church, we can do nothing without him. But that's not the, the greatest lie of Satan. We can do nothing without him. Nothing. But to be honest, church, listen, we're, we're our own worst enemies. We are our own worst enemies. We end up defeating ourselves. You know, so you can, have, you can have the greatest football players in all the world. You can have, you know, they can be the ones that make the most money in the world. You can put them all together on the same, on the same pitch on the, with the same team. And listen, if they don't learn to practice with one another, if they don't learn to study and progress with one another, listen, church, if they can't play as a team, you know what's going to happen? Not other teams are going to defeat them. They're going to defeat themselves. You don't believe it? Go look at PSG and some of these, some of these other, other, other teams that are out there have most money spent, but they can't do anything. Why? Because they can't play as a team. 
They don't, they all want to be individuals, right? Let's talk about business for people that don't, that don't understand football, right? Listen, business is the same way. I was a business owner for many years. I could hire the greatest sales staff that money could buy. But listen, if the, if the sales staff, all they want to do is backbite, if all they want to do is, is cause strife, if all they want to do is manipulate one another so they can get to that place where they're individually number one and they're not trying to make the team number one, you know what's going to happen? Your competitors are going to put you out of business. Your competitors will put you out of business. And it's like, church, do we know what team we're working with? Do we, do we know which team we're working with? See, this is the problem with the church that doesn't walk in power. And they're not, they don't walk in power. It's not because God had, doesn't have any power anymore. It's not because the Holy Spirit I have is weaker than the one that Paul had or Peter had or, or any of the other apostles. He's not weaker than the, than the Holy Spirit that Elijah had or any of these men. Now, why, why is it we don't understand the team that we're playing for? We end up pointing the finger at him like he's the one causing the trouble in our lives, Right? God, God, you're our enemy. You're, you're the one bringing some of these things to us. We start blaming him, pointing the finger at him. If we're not pointing the finger at him, we're pointing the finger at the adversary like he's the one, you know, causing all the destruction and he doesn't have any power to do it. Hmm? But listen, church, if you'll just get quiet enough, if you'll get quiet enough in that secret place, you'll begin to hear the voice of the Lord conforming his word. I'm telling you, he'll begin to reveal to you the same thing he revealed to me years ago. He'll ask you the same question, maybe I should say, that he asked me years ago. And you say, well, what is that? He'll say, are you going to stop asking me to help or bless everything that you're doing? And would you just get hooked up with what I'm doing? Because see, we all want to be doing our own thing. But listen, the Lord can only bless us as far as, as, as we can allow him. But listen, if we'll just get hooked up with what he's desiring to do, church, we'll be in a lot better situation, right? And if you stay in this church long enough, I promise you, you're going to find out that Satan's already defeated. And all these problems you have, they're going to be long gone. You'll be looking back at these things and I can't believe I used to struggle with those things. Doesn't mean the temptation won't come. I mean, but you're going you're gonna to understand, you're going to know how to, how to overcome them. You say, how is that? We got to know that we are, we are more than conquerors, right? And this is what we talked about on Resurrection Sunday. Colossians, uh, 2, 14, uh, Colossians 2, 14 and 15, right? What does it say? Blotting out the handwriting and the ordinances that was against us. Those arrest warrants that, that Satan legally had to come against humanity because of their sin says that he, Jesus, he blotted them out. The ones that were contrary to us, that were there to murder us, to harm us, to put sickness and disease upon us, to put poverty upon us. It says he blotted them out. He took them out of the way, nailing them upon the cross with him. And then what did he do? Then having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, publicly triumphing over them. Triumphing over them. They're defeated. They're defeated. Oh, come on, church. They're defeated. Everyone say, he is defeated. Well, he's defeated, why are we having problems? Why are we having problems? 
Now, see, listen, I, you know, let, me, let, me, let me explain something here. There, there is something called spiritual warfare, right? And when I say spiritual warfare, that doesn't mean that you're going to take out a, a knife or a gun or your fist and go beat up on Satan. <laughs> listen, that's a surefire way of getting your hindquarters handed to you on a platter. Why? Because you don't have more power. You don't have more physical strength than him, right? Now, you have Holy Spirit that can defeat all things. Amen? But we, we, we don't have a fist fight with the adversary, right? Mm. Church, we don't have a fist fight with the adversary. Mm. We need to be mindful of all this craziness of, of the spiritual warfare teachings that are out there, that you need to go, go to some high place. And the higher you go, you know, you can get authority over something. Or, or the more you pray, the more you rebuke, you know, you're going to be able to take care of, take care of situations. Listen, church, we've got to be mindful not to get in the ditch on this. I'm telling you, back in the 80s and 90s, back in the U.S., people were, were taking planes and beginning to, to fly around the U.S. so they could cast down the principality that was over that nation. I'm telling you, church, that's absolute nonsense sense. It's nonsense. You say, why is that? Well, I'm sure glad Paul didn't know. He, he, I mean, he couldn't have an airplane to go do these things, but he sure walked in a whole lot of power and authority. Huh? He walked in a whole lot of power and authority. He didn't have any airplanes. He didn't have helicopters. Hmm? We got to be mindful not to get in the ditch of these things. You say, why is this? Because listen, if, th if these things were the case, if all we had to do is rebuke, 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 and everything is taken care of. Listen, the early church would have done the same thing. And see, they made a lot more ground than we are right now. And they, they would have done the exact same thing. They'd have been to rebuke, especially, especially in the days of Nero. When Nero's taking Christians and he's, and he's hanging them from crosses daily and he's burning people at the stake. You don't think they would have just rebuked the, the demonic power that was, that was influencing him? And it all would have stopped like snapping your fingers? Hmm? That's not necessarily the way that things work, is it? Huh? Why? You say, well, it has to be. Well, that church was working in a lot more power than we are. They had the same power, the same authority. Now they had access to, they had an access to more than, than we do. Huh? They were flipping up the towns upside down. To send two people into the city, they'd flip it upside down with the glory and the power of God. Hmm? You say, well, what do we do? We keep rebuking. We keep praying. We keep standing in authority. But listen, church, we're going to have to learn to take the long path. You understand what I mean when I say that? We need to take the long path of Christianity. This is how Rome became Christian. Rome became a, a Christian empire, not in 34 AD. It was 313 when Constantine declared it to be a Christian nation couple hundred years after, 150, 250 years after Nero. How did that happen? The church took the long path. 
They went out on the streets. They were preaching the gospel. They were healing the sick. They were believing God. They were giving up their lives as a living sacrifice. Even some of them were getting put on the stake, burned. Some of them were getting killed. But they continued on. They continued on. They continued on. They made disciples. They made disciples. And they made disciples. So what happened? This one got saved. That one got saved. That one got saved. That one got saved. And then they had the majority pushing towards Christianity. What happens? Then the government changes. You, you want to change, change the government in this nation? You want to change the government in Northern Ireland and, and, and the South? Listen, we need to get to work and get people saved. When we get people saved, listen, they'll start electing people that are godly. And when they, then godly people start getting into office and they'll begin to change things. Has, we have to take the long path. We're such a stinking McDonald's or Burger King church nowadays. Oh, I, want, I just want to order at the drive-thru, drive around the corner, and it better be exactly what I ordered or I'm throwing it out the window. That's not, that's not how God designed the church. The church is relational. Hmm? Just like people talk about, oh, you know what? You know, everything's going to change. We're, we're living in that day and age, and everyone's going to get saved over the Internet. You know, everything's going to Internet churches nowadays, and this is how, this is how the gospel is going to go forth to all the world. Are you kidding me? I mean, I know I've, I've, I've sensed a little bit of anointing watching live streams and stuff like that, but it's nothing like being in the presence of people carrying the anointing of God. You don't think God would, would rather send Claire and, into, a, into an area and say, listen, go get them instead of having her speak on the, on the TV towards them. No, because what you carry is what changes people. What you, what you carry is what makes people believers of the words you speak. Hmm? Oh, come on, church. This is the reality of things here. But on the flip side of that coin, we got to understand that he's already defeated Satan, his kingdom is already defeated. We got to know and understand it that every single weapon that he had against you has not only been destroyed, it's been taken from him. So this is what it says when he spoiled principalities and powers. He took them. Jesus, when he went down to hell, he didn't go down there to, to, to suffer and get beat up by Satan, get whipped by Satan like some people think. No, he went down there to conquer. And conquer he did. It says that he spoiled, he took every weapon that Satan had and he rendered him powerless. Jesus spoiled darkness and he rendered it powerless. Powerless against who? Powerless against anyone who believes. Against anyone who will receive it. You say, well, if he's powerless, how in the world am I dealing with this depression? How, how in the world am I not able to pay my bills? How, how in the world do, do I have marital problems at my house? How, how in the world do I have addiction problems? How, how are these happening if all of these things have been defeated? Well, are we serving on the same team with him? Are we serving on the same team with our God? Are we working against him? Are we serving him, operating with him? Or are we operating against him? I'm going to tell you, church, I believe a lot of us were working against them when we don't even know it. And we don't even know it. And like I said before, we can be our own worst enemies, church. And this brings defeat upon ourselves, amen? Satan can only influence. He can only influence. He can only harm us where we give him the power and the authority to do it. Let me say thanks. That is like way out in left field for most people in the church. 
Satan can only have the authority and power in your life to influence you as much as you give it to him. What does that mean? Sickness and disease. You don't have to receive it. It's only as far as we give him authority to influence. Depression, you don't have to receive that anymore. If you receive it, you can have it. Poverty, you can have it. You can have every ounce and every jot and tittle of the curse if you want it. Amen? But you don't have to have it. These things don't have to be received anymore. Why? Because they've already been defeated. See, many times we don't, we need to stop looking around and begin and stop blaming God for the things that are going on in our life. Stop blaming Satan for the things that are going on in our life. Sometimes we need to start looking right here, look in the mirror and say, man, I don't need, I don't need a biblical doctrine change. Maybe I need a me change. Maybe I need to change the things that I believe. Repent, right? Stop thinking like the world is thinking and begin to think like the word of God thinks. Man, we'll start seeing some changes in our life. So let's go over here. Let's go here to Luke. Let's go to Luke chapter, Luke chapter four. We all opened up right to it. Glory to God. Luke chapter four. I love, I love talking about these scriptures here because this is how, this is how Satan, if you, you want, I mean, you want, you want to know how to deal with Satan when he comes to confront you with a temptation? Maybe we ought to look at how Jesus confronts him, Right? Let's look how, how Jesus handles Satan when he comes right in front of his face and gives him an illegal temptation. He said, is it illegal for him to give him to, uh, Jesus a temptation? Absolutely it is. You say, why is that? Because Jesus wasn't participating with the law of sin and death. There was no sin in him, so no death could come upon him. Right? He wasn't yielding to it. He, death it had no power upon him, like we've said before. Why do you think he walked through crowds? Why do you, when people wanted to stone him, throw off cliffs, they couldn't do it. Why? Because death did, had no power over him. Hmm? He wasn't participating with that. He was sinless. He was flawless. He was perfect. He was holy. He is holy. He is perfect. He is righteous. Why? Because he's still alive today. Amen? So it's illegal. Absolutely. These things are illegal. But listen, you'll find out, you'll find out a couple things here. Although these things may be illegal, Satan is a criminal. He's a criminal. And he will come against you, he will cheat, he will lie, he will steal, and he will manipulate you so you can do what? So you can follow what he desires for you to do. You know, he only has one weapon against us today. You say, what is that? Temptation. Temptation. It's the only weapon he has. And what is this temptation? This temptation is for you to not believe, not place your faith in what Jesus, what our Lord has already done for us. Amen. In essence, what I'm saying is if you receive the temptation, if you receive it, it will flourish in your life because of doubt and unbelief. Amen. So let's, let's look here in verse one. It says in Jesus being full of the Holy spirit, being full of the, of the Holy ghost returned from the Jordan. He was led by the spirit into the wilderness and being 40 days tempted of the devil, being 40 days tempted of the devil. Isn't that amazing here? You look at that. Jesus says, Jesus was full of the Holy spirit. If you back on up to, to chapter three there, you'll find out that Jesus just got baptized by John the Baptist and he got baptized by John the Baptist. The heavens were opened up, split apart. The Holy Ghost came down like a dove and began to rest upon him. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit came. He didn't, he already had the Spirit within, right? 
he, the Spirit came upon him, and he rested upon him. Now, right after the Spirit came and rested upon him, the first thing Holy Spirit did was it took him into the wilderness. It took him into the wilderness, and it's crazy because you hear Christians all over the place saying the wilderness is such a bad place. Is the wilderness a bad place? It was the first place the Holy Spirit took, took Jesus himself. Wilderness isn't a bad place. Why do we think the wilderness is a bad place? Because everyone wants to talk about the Israelites when they, when they went out and they're in the wilderness for 40 years when they, when, they, when they refused to go in and defeat the Canaanites. You think that was actually something negative, that they, that they didn't go into, uh, that they roamed around the mountain for 40 years? Was that a bad thing? No, that was a good thing. That was in God's mercy that they're in the wilderness roaming around for 40 years. Why? Because if they would have went into Canaan, the, the Can they would have killed them. They would have murdered every single one of them. And the very nation that God was putting together would have been destroyed in an instant. Why? Because they had no faith for it. See, they couldn't defeat these nations by their own strength. The only way they could defeat them was the strength of God working through them. Right? So what they do? God was preparing them. They're, they're running around the nation, run, or running around the wilderness, excuse me, going around the mountain again and again and again for 40 years. God's trying to prepare them. God's trying to get them right. But what happened? That generation, they just wanted to go back to Egypt. So what do you do? Keeps on roaming around. Keeps on trying to train them up. And what's going to happen? They end up dying off. But the younger generation gets raised up. And you know what they say? I think I'm going to believe what God has to say. Let's go take it. Let's go take it. It was his mercy. Wilderness was a beautiful place. This is where they got prepared. This is where they learned things. Church, the wilderness is a place of preparation. It's a place of victory. It's a place of testing. Testing out your faith. It's a, it's a place of transition. It's a good place. It's a place of transition. Now listen, how we handle that place of transition, what we learn in that place of transition, or reveal if you're going to be victorious or if you're going to defeat it. It'll also reveal how long you're going to stay in it. All about what you learn, amen, what you learn and what, and what we, you know, how we handle these things, amen. Transition, it's a good thing. Amen, the wilderness, it's a good thing, amen. It all depends on how we, how we see things. The wilderness gets us focused on him. Gets us less focused on ourselves and the situations around us, and it gives us plenty ample of opportunity to begin to get focused on Him. But I guess, as I should say, even us, when we get filled up with the Holy Ghost, we got God living in us and upon us. We got the fullness of the Word of God. That does not mean that the Holy Spirit is going to lead you into comfort and a life of ease. Hmm? Didn't with Jesus. I don't know where we get all of this in the church nowadays. He's not going to leave you, lead you into a life of comfort and ease. I know he's going to lead you into a life of training. He's going to lead you into a life you can train to be the victorious son or daughter that he's calling you to do. As my pastor would always say, listen, God is a whole lot more concerned with your character than he is with your comfort. Hmm? He's a whole lot more concerned with your character than your comfort. And he will allow you to go into situations to build your character, Right? He's not as concerned with our comfort. Because <laughs> he's not as concerned with our comfort. Hallelujah. So the Lord, he'll lead us into these precarious situations. Yeah, I'll say that, Lord. But listen, these situations, these trials, these testings, they're not a punishment. Right? 
They're, they're, they're not a punishment for us. They're an opportunity, and they're an opportunity for us to step out in faith of, by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And begin to release or perform the things that God has placed on the inside of us. Right? It's a place to give us the opportunity, just like we're talking about in Isaiah 14, where, where even the trees will begin to clap their hands and begin to cheer. Amen. What Romans chapter 8 talks about, you know, all of the world is begging for the sons and daughters of God to begin to take their place. Hmm? It's not in punishment. Church is in training. Why? Because we have power. We have the authority of God in us to do everything that he calls us to do. How are we going to do it? We do it by his spirit. We do it by his word. And we do it by our words. Hmm? You do it by his spirit, his word, and then our words need to get to line up. And that's what confession means, saying the same thing as. This is where you're going to find your victory. So here in verse in uh, verse 2, it says that he was tempted the devil for 40 days. And in those days, he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And, and the devil said unto him, If you be the Son of God, command these stones that it be made bread. Command these stones that it be made bread. Now listen, don't be surprised when you get to your weakest point in your life, when you're, when you're having the, the, the toughest time of your life that you don't meet Satan face to face. Right? Why? Because he wants to come at you at the most opportune time where he thinks that he can defeat you and manipulate you, right? And what did he do with, with Jesus? Jesus fasting 40 days, 40 nights. He was hungry, and then Satan came. Satan came. He said, do you really trust what the Lord told you? Do you really trust that? Are you really the son of God? Do you really trust that? I know he just told you that the other day, but really, are you the son of God? Do you trust what the Lord had to say to you? If you do, prove it. See those rocks there? I know you're hungry. Prove it. See, this is, this is where we get in problems, church. See, the adversary, he's going to come to get you to, to prove things out. We need to prove nothing to him. One thing we need to do is enforce the victory over him. Put that foot right back on his neck where it belongs but we don't need to prove things out to him. Church, you don't need to prove things out to your brothers and sisters. You may need to prove things out to yourself. Amen. But we don't need to prove things out to anyone else that's around us. Amen. So Satan, Satan came to him. Now listen, let me try to get into these things here. Satan will come to tempt us, right? And he'll tempt us in three different ways. Three primary ways Satan will come and he'll tempt us in the areas of our lives. Now listen, when I say temptations, that doesn't mean that Satan's coming to tempt us to be a drunk. He's not coming to tempt us to be an alcoholic. He's not coming to uh, tempt you to be an adulterer. He's not coming to tempt you to murder your neighbor. That's not, that's not what Satan comes to tempt you for. You say, why is that? Because that nature of Satan, that nature of Adam has been stripped out of you when you came in union with Jesus. And now you have the nature of Jesus on the inside of you. So those things should no longer be, be, be a thing that you're struggling with. I mean, you, know, you got you to gotta put your flesh under control. Amen. You got to consecrate yourself. You got to decide to live a holy life, right? But listen, those aren't things that should be controlling us. Now we should be controlling those things, right? But what will he come to tempt us with? What does Satan come to tempt man and woman? What does he come to tempt you with? To get you to doubt and have unbelief in what the Lord has told you. 
what the words that, that Jesus has spoken to you, what the Father has spoken to you. He wants to come to get you to doubt that you are righteous. I mean, he's done a pretty good job in the church with that now. Even though we can read it a hundred times in the scriptures, people say you're a heretic for saying that. Right? He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We are righteous. Jesus made you righteous. He's come to tempt you with that. You're really not righteous. Mm. You're unrighteous. You're just like me. That's why you have those thoughts going through your mind. He's come to tempt you with those things. He's come to tempt you that you're not part of that chosen generation. You're not part of that chosen race. You're not, you're not part of that royal priesthood. You're not that holy nation. I'm telling you, church, he's saying, you're not, that church isn't holy. No, 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 you're not part of that. You're not, you're not one of those peculiar people. You're not the periproasis. You're not the, the one that's exclusively owned by God. He wants to put doubt and unbelief in the very words that Jesus has spoke to us. Why? Because it opens up the door for him to begin to control you. For him to control you. Now, firstly, we see here in this scripture, what does is, what is Satan tempt Jesus with first? With his provision. This is the easiest way that he comes against us. He'll tempt us with provision. Jesus, he hadn't ate for 40 days. He was tempting him, he, you need food, right? The Christians, he tempts us financially. He tempts us, you know, with housing, with your car, whatever it may be, your job. He, he tempts you with your provision in your life. He's coming to you to see that God has not provided it for you or make you think that God has not provided it for you. But see, what did, how did Jesus answer him? He gave him a consecrated answer. Hmm? He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. You notice Jesus didn't respond in anger. He didn't get emotionally involved with him. Right? Hmm. He didn't lose his temper with him. He didn't say, man, Satan, it's not fair. How are you coming and attacking me? Don't you know I'm hungry? You know I haven't been eating for 40 days. How dare you come against me? Don't you know who I am? He didn't say, Father, Father, please, please do something with Satan. He's trying to come tempt me. Father, do something. Speak to him. Tell him to leave me alone. He didn't say that, did he? No, he said, it is written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is written, Satan. It is written. Church, we can't get emotionally involved. You know, the only thing that stops Satan in his tracks is the spoken word of God. It's the only thing that can stop him. It's the only thing that can enforce his defeat. So we see here, he said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up to the high mountain, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. And the devil said unto him, all the power, all the authority I'll give you in the glory of all of them. For that is delivered unto me and whomsoever I will give it to, I can give it to you. If you will therefore just bow down and worship me, he goes, all this will be yours. I'll give it all to you. 
I'll give it all to you. See, if, if Satan can't come and get you with, with provision in your life, he's going to come get you and he's going to come test you with your calling. He's going to come test you with your destiny. Right? You say, can Satan really do this? Listen, every single one of these nations, every single person that Satan was showing Jesus, that is why Jesus came here. He came here for each and every one of them. So he's sitting there showing, he said, listen, everything that you came here to this earth for, he goes, I own it. You say, oh, does Satan, Satan didn't own those things. Really? Second Corinthians 4, 4 says he's the God of this world. Hmm? He's the God of this world. Excuse me, Adam and Eve, they gave their authority over to him. When they sold out to God, began to believe the snake, began to believe the serpent, believe Satan himself, they sold out, gave all of their authority over to him. What happened? Jesus came here to retain it. Jesus came to regain it. Jesus came to defeat them so he could bring it back. Why? Not just to keep it for himself so he could begin to hand it back out to man and woman again. Hmm? But see, why does 2 Corinthians 4, 4 say he's the God of this world? Because he is the God of anyone who will yield unto him. He's not the God of the church. He's not the God of the church. You say, can he really get tempted? Well, well, what does what does verse two say here? It says that he was he was in the the wilderness for forty days and he was tempted of the devil. I mean, Satan tempted him. You say, well, how would Satan tempt him? Maybe maybe it looks something like this. He said, Jesus, I know you're coming down here. You see all these people. See all those beautiful people in Ireland? See all those beautiful people in Europe and in Texas? Glory to God. He said, each and every one of them, I know you're coming for them. But listen, you don't have to jump up on that cross. You don't have to take that pain. You don't have to take that cat of nine tails that's about to come. You don't have to take that crown of thorns. You don't have to have your, your beard plucked out. You don't have to be spit on in the face, buffeted, punched, smacked. You, you don't have to take any of that. None of it. You, listen, you don't even have to take the sin of the world and put it upon you. You don't have to take their iniquity. You don't have to taste sickness. You don't, you don't have to allow all that to come upon you. You don't have to do those things. All you got to do is bow to me. I own them and I'll give it over to you. Just bow to me. Just bow to me and I'll let you have them. How did Jesus reply? Get behind me, Satan. It is written. It is written. You shall worship the Lord thy God, and him alone shall you worship. Hmm. In verse 9, he says, And he brought him unto Jerusalem, and he set him unto the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, if you are the son of God, cast yourself down from there, for it is written. Oh, what is that? What is that? Now Satan starts doing the same thing Jesus was doing. See, listen, when you, when you start knowing the word of God and you start using the word of God against him, don't be surprised when he starts trying to use the word of God back to you. Why? He knows the word. He knows the word of God much better than the church does. Why he's been with he's been with the Lord for a long time. He know he knows his heart. He knows what his desires are. He knows what the word says. He's had time to study these things for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Don't be surprised when he starts using the word to try to manipulate you with it. You know, kind of like religion does nowadays. Now, they may give you some scriptures, they're gonna manipulate you with it. Huh? Manipulate you so you can give me money. 
manipulate you so you can make me the king of the city. Manipulate you. Hmm? It's an antichrist spirit. He says, it is written, he shall give his angels charge of you to, to keep you in all of your ways. They'll bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Something we quote in here every week in Psalms 91. Started quoting it to Jesus. In their hands, they'll bear you up, lest you dash thy foot against the stone. Listen, thirdly, if Satan can't come against you with your provision, if he can't come against you and get you to doubt your, pri- your, your, your calling or your, your destiny, he's going to come against you in your pride. He's going to try to see if there's any ounce of pride on the inside of you that I can ignite, amen, and get you to think you're, you're self-sufficient, right? Because if I can get selfish pride to begin to operate on the inside of you, if I can light that match on the inside of you, you're going to think everything is about yourself, amen? Every, you're going to try to do everything concerning yourself. And this is where your provision, your calling, your success gets vulnerable to defeat. Why? Because you're having to carry the weight of it because you're going to have to carry the weight of it. Oh, come on, church. When, and when you're operating in pride, listen, this, this is where you're going to have to start carrying the weight of it, and it will bring forth defeat in your life. Satan knows these things, right? Pride will hinder your provision. <laughs> Why? Because you're going to have to go get it yourself. Hmm? It'll hinder your calling and your destiny. Why? Because you're going to have to hold the weight of that yourself. Hmm? Man, I used to think, I used to think self-sufficiency and independence was the only way a man can be. And I was the most self-sufficient, independent person you'll probably ever come into your life. And I thought anyone that wasn't like that was weak until I met Jesus. And when I met Jesus, and when I, when I found out all of my, my strength that I've built up, man, I found out how weak I actually was because I couldn't operate in anything he had. But when I got submitted, sort of bound myself down to him, allowing myself to become weak and meek and mild, I found out how strong I am because he carries the weight. And I operate, he gets to operate through us. And that's what Paul was talking about. Hmm? When I'm weak, this is when I'm strong. This is when we're strong. When we, when we lay everything down, then, then we can allow him to begin to operate through us. Hmm. then we can allow these things. But what did Jesus reply here? It is written. He said, it is written. It is written. Hmm. It is written. You shall not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had had ended all of the temptation. He departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee. And there went on out of fame upon him in the region that was around him. And he taught in all the synagogues and he glorified. And he was glorified of all. What happened? He began to step into his ministry after he showed forth the defeat of the adversary. See, many of Many of us, we won't be able to start into what God has for us until we can, we can express his defeat in our lives. Hmm? We allow ourselves to, to get built up, allow the testing to come, allow the word of God to come. To where when the testing comes, we can show forth defeat. God can trust us with some more things, right? He's like, what is, what is Satan really trying to tempt us with, like we said? 
not just your provision, not just your pride, not just your calling. He's trying to tempt you to doubt what the, what the word of God says to you. Are you really a son? Are you really a daughter? Are you really saved? Are you really reborn? I mean, half the church didn't even believe in being reborn anymore. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 3. Why? They took the temptation of doubt and unbelief. Oh, that's a Protestant thing. No, it's a Jesus thing. It's a Jesus thing. Right? Don't take the temptation. You know, when they comes, comes to Jesus, you know, says, why are you hungry? You're God, you can do it. If you really are, it's not God, you can do these things. Same way he comes to you. Are you hungry? Well, you're a son and daughter of God. Why aren't you hungry? Shouldn't you be a little more hungry for him? Huh? I don't really know if you are a son or a daughter. You're not hungry enough, right? Why can't you pay your bills? Maybe you're really not a, a son or a daughter of God. Maybe he really doesn't want to provide for you. Hmm? Why are you struggling with this sickness? Why are you struggling with this disease? Maybe you're really not a son of God. Maybe you're really not a daughter of God. Hmm? Why is your destiny, why is your calling not being exalted into the place it should be? Why well, God's probably not with you. You may really not be a son. You may really not be a daughter. Hmm? It gives us the opportunity to say, you know what? It is written. It is written. That's the only thing that's going to get him to get silent in our lives, right? And what, because what does it say here? And I'll end with this because I feel like I'm starting to ramble a little bit. Here in verse 13, it says, and when the devil and then, and when the devil had ended his temptations, it says he departed for a season. How many of y'all know if we will stand firm in the word of God, stand firm and not budge when the attack comes, when the temptation comes? It says Satan will flee from you. And Peter says he'll run in stark terror from you. Right? But he will, he will leave you and he'll leave you for a season. It doesn't mean he's not going to come back and try to tempt you again. But listen, church, we should not be having problems every single day of our life. Now, listen, I know they come sometimes in, in a rush, you, you know, but listen, it gives you a whole lot of opportunity. We ought to get excited when these things come against us. See, that's kind of contrary to the way we think, isn't it? We should be getting excited when Satan comes and tries to, tries to tempt us with something, tries to push us back, tries to get, why? Because that means we're, we're making ground. He's trying to slow you down. He's trying to slow you down. He's trying to get you to back up. He's trying to get you to quit. You have nothing to fear. He's already been defeated. It's just another opportunity to show that Jesus is the victor in our lives. Amen. Church, we got to get into the word. If you don't know the word of God, you don't know, you don't have your weapon to use against Satan. Amen. And he will manipulate you over and over and over with the temptations that he's putting in front of your face. Amen. So let's study the word of God. Let's be a, let's be a body, amen, that knows the word of God. Amen. So we can press forward. We can progress in what the Lord has for us and not allow the temptations to come in and harm us and distract us. To where we can actually, not, not just me, but each and every person in here, we can actually go out into the streets and start laying hands on the sick. Hmm? Walking down the streets and have your shadows healing people. People that are having addiction problems, casting that addiction off of them. Healing their bodies after it. Listen, church, this is what we're designed to do. 
But we got to do it according to Scripture, according to the way that God wants us to do it. Stop asking him to help us do everything we want to do. Start getting hooked up with what he's doing. I'm telling you, we'll, we'll start seeing victory. We'll start seeing success. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, Father, we thank you, Lord. We glorify you in everything that you do. We honor you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I ask for a burden and a passion and a hunger to be birthed in people in here for the word and their lives, Lord. I mean, look, you can look all over this nation, all over this island. There's, there's not even Wednesday night services going on hardly anymore. People have lost their hunger. They've lost their fire for you. There's no wonder why we're getting beat up left and right. I ask for a hunger for your body, a hunger of your body to get birth for the word of God, for your spirit, for your presence, for the victory that will stop getting complacent because we're so distracted with the circumstances that are coming in our lives. Lord, may we understand the victory that has been brought forth. May we speak forth the victory. Hmm. May we show the world a victorious God that desires to operate through each and every one of us. Lord, we love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for choosing us. Thank you, Lord, for not giving up on us. Train us up, teach us, correct us, mold us into the sons and daughters that you have called us to be. May the it is written be the only words that come out of our mouths. We speak death to our opinions. We speak life to the it is written. We glorify you, Lord. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.